back, everybody, to another episode of the podcast to be named later. I'm Noah Hiles. He is... Alex Stump. And Alex, we have a podcast based on a baseball team that won a game. It feels like forever, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, it, it had been a minute. It had been a minute since Look at I them. actually won a baseball game. Scoring more runs than the other team through nine innings. I'm excited. Winning a one-run game. Winning a one-run game. How about just that? I mean, yes. how many times they were, what, 0-5 before this one? Just not getting that one extra hit or preventing that one extra big swing. Where yeah. I mean, if you truly believe that, you know, one-run games are pretty close to being, you know, 50-50-ish, I mean, 0-5, <laughs> that's, that's an ugly start to start the season. But, yeah, yeah this it, to win a game – like that to win the way that they did, where we have seen this team score ninth inning runs before. But a lot of the times, you know, they were runs that didn't matter much or it, the rally wasn't quite enough. This time it was enough. It, it was, was a legit rally. That. Yes. Yes, it was. It, it was a legit rally from the haters who need to produce. Colin Moran got it started. Brian Reynolds with a double. Uh, Kevin Newman with the game winner. It, it was just overall a good team win. They didn't have Mitch Keller. They had to rely on J.T. Brubaker and Cody Ponce. The bullpen provided three quality shutout innings of relief to pick them up. It was just a good team win. It was something that they just hadn't done in a while. Yeah, and you, you mentioned it. The guys who needed to produce, that's what's nice, is it wasn't – and you take runs however you could get them. But this felt like a, it was a real legit – Win a good team win. Kevin Newman, Brian Reynolds, uh, Josh Bell had had a hit or two, I believe. Um, everyone stepped up and did their part. They played their role, and it resulted in a victory. And you saw other guys helping in other ways, like Jared Dyson. We talked about how how does Jared Dyson, Gerard Dyson, excuse me, how does he help this team? Well, it's not going to be with his offense, but he draws a walk. And what does he do? He basically scores a run by himself. Yeah. Steals second that was base. the biggest run of the game. I can't recall. To, I mean, I'm sure Marte did it, but I cannot recall a late inning steal of third base from the Pittsburgh Pirates in a very long time. It, again, it had been a minute. And you know what? That was the most important run of the game because if he doesn't score that run, the, the Twins do not have a pulled-in infield for Kevin Newman, and that's just a bouncer to shortstop right there mm -hmm. that was that stolen base was three runs yeah in and this game what's what was great about that for me is when Charrington built this team when the Pirates front office sat down and mapped this out and you know let's be honest they probably weren't putting this roster together and thinking about plans for October they just let's let's put a group together that hopefully they can be competitive but when they're signing guys like Gerard Dyson or Guillermo, who's not on the big league club anymore, or putting guys in the lineup like Moran or Newman or whoever, they all have a role. Some guys are there to hit. Some guys are there to provide good defense and run bases. Some guys are there to just give you one strong inning out of the bullpen where other guys are developed in the minor leagues with the understanding that you're going to be needing two or three. They came into this season knowing you might be a piggyback guy. So approach it like you're a starter, even though your start starts in the fourth inning of a ball game. And 
I know we're kind of harping on it, but again, it's just so freaking nice to see a plan come together that this is how it was all mapped out to work. Yeah. I mean, I, I said, you know, in the press box, you know, the DK, like whatever they were rallying in the ninth, it's like, man, I just covered that a whole terrible road trip. I, I, I feel like I could really use, you know, a, a nice easy gamer to write about this one, you know, just someone get a hit. Let's wrap it up six to five. Let's, you know, I get to write about something good for after, you know, driving over a thousand miles across this country to watch them get swept in two different series. Yeah, that was rough. So do you think, and this is just speculation and we're going to hear what Derek Shelton had to say on the win here in a little bit. Um, do you think them wasting Trevor's good start kind of forced them to up their level of play this afternoon? Uh, I, I, I don't think anything is ever really that simple that this happened, so I have to up my play. I, I, I don't think that ever really is much of a case, but Trevor did like something in the bullpen. Or how about this for a different angle with Trevor? Because Trevor went – the Pirates' bullpen was rested enough that they could go to Chris Stratton and Sam Howard, who's pitched well so far, and they got their three innings of relief out of those two. You know, it wasn't like – it wasn't a situation where they needed to go to Miguel Del Pozo or, or someone else, you know, a lesser reliever because, man, we're down two runs. We can't afford to burn, you know, good relievers, you know, in case. But it's like, you know what – we're still in this ball game. We're going to put out, you know, I, I, I have a hard time referring to anyone, you know, still available in this bullpen as the A team at the moment. But Chris Stratton is probably the second best active reliever at the moment. Maybe even the best active reliever in this yeah, bullpen at the moment. Rich Rod. Now that Rich Rod's kind of put stuff kind together, I think is the only guy who would, who would be ahead at the moment. But yeah, it's, it was a, you know what, here's a situation where we could, you know, get a little length out of him. You know, Sam Howard came in, you know, it's, it was good. That's where I think the Trevor Williams start didn't make a factor because that bullpen for the first time this season got a chance to breathe. That's fair. And they, what the bullpen did and what they've continued to do really, a problem that the Pirates bullpen had last year was they'd be in a one run game in the sixth inning and the bullpen could not keep them in the contest. Yeah. And say what you want. The bullpen has looked ugly. And in some games, it's gotten ugly. But for the most part, they've been able to hang around in these games because the bullpen has kept them relevant in the game. And it allows them to battle back offensively for this win. Derek Shelton obviously was asked about the win, his team's third win of the season. Alex, I'll say this. Have I agreed with every decision Derek, Derek Shelton has made so far? Absolutely not. Do I think he could have probably done better so far this season? I would say yes. Is it too early? It's far too early. I see people like saying he needs to go. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. That's just Played flat out ridiculous. <laughs> if you think after one – I'm sorry. I'm interrupting you here, but you yeah. struck a nerve there. That's like after a week, get rid of this guy. It's like, are you are you kidding me? Oh, after a week, this is Pittsburgh, baby. That's that's how we do it here, man. They want to fire. I know, I Thomas know. But that's absolutely ridiculous. 
Sullivan's gone, though. I mean, everyone. We love firing coaches, even though everyone's obsessed with a team that's had three coaches since the freaking Nixon administration. So I, I don't know why we have this in our blood. But Yinzers, it's 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 Heinz ketchup, it's Clark bars, and it's one the coach fired. That's how we do business around here, man. But no, I think Shelton deserves more time. Obviously, more time than what twelve games, but. I, I respect a couple things about him. I respect his enthusiasm where Clint had that in the beginning. I felt like toward the end of his career, Clint, Clint was kind of just worn out. And, I, and that'll happen. I, I, that happens in any job, especially at his age. Derek Shelton, it's probably because it's his first job managing. He's just got that spark about him. He, he, he is legitimately excited. He legitimately cares. This stuff matters to him a lot. And two, just... I'm impressed with all of his media briefings that he does, all of his press conferences, the way he addresses all the reporters by their first names. And the, the, it just feels like a more comfortable atmosphere when you're talking with him compared to when you were talking with Clint. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah for the most part. I mean, he does take that extra, he does take that extra step. Um, I don't know if I've told this story in the podcast, but I know I've mentioned it somewhere on the site before, that he was introduced one week before uh, – the winter meetings and uh, whenever we get to the winter meetings, the beat reporters, everyone gets a breakfast with the manager and he gets there and he's like, Hey, Alex, how are you doing? Hey, Adam. Hey, you know, like he knew everyone's name after one week. We just had that one meeting, but he made it a point like, Hey, I want to make sure I can refer to these people. They're going to know my name. I should know. Theirs. And I feel like when you're managing a team that, to be honest, needs good PR, and I'm not saying that just because he calls you Alex in a post-game press conference, you're going to be like, well, I'm never going to write anything critical of Derek Shelton ever again. Yeah. But that kind of stuff matters, in my opinion. You know, when, when, you're, in a, when you're managing a team that's in good, need of good PR, just making that extra effort, I think, makes a difference. And it's not going to take away from you being objective or anything, but I, I don't know. I just think, like, those good vibes can only be positive. You know, it can only help making that extra effort. I, and I admire that about him. I just wanted to point that out. Do you have anything to add? No, not on top okay. of that. Okay. Just, uh, just that a uh, three and 10 is, is, is a whole lot better than two and 11 for, you know, building that relationship. Three and 10. They're, they're, uh, they're tanking for Tua. They're, they're going to take Joe Burrow. Um, if someone hasn't been paying attention to the meme, it's, it's rocker. Oh, I know. I did a whole segment on Someone yeah. hasn't been paying attention to the podcast that he's a co-host of. I did a whole segment on Rocker the other day. I've been busy. I missed that one. I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, I think the episode was literally called Tanking. Are, tanking, is that what this is called? Yeah. That is, okay. yeah, yeah okay. Uh, I just posted it to the site. I didn't read it that day. Yeah. So, one question I had. The only thing I critical that i had of shelton today because we just talked so nice about him um why was jt riddle playing shortstop why should jt riddle ever be playing shortstop for this team well because he just came back from the il they want to see what he has and three guys who are far more important to this organization who are younger and better than him that should be playing shortstop every single game i don't want to see jt Riddle can play other positions you can play him at third or second that's fine but I mean, third, especially, but I, I don't like you know, him shortstop reps away from Cole Tucker, or Kevin Newman, or uh, Eric Gonzalez. Boy, that's a, 
I'm not going to disagree with you with the Eric Gonzalez because I think he's looked quite good at the plate so far this year. Like he, they have been all falling for hits, but he is hitting the ball hard right now. But with Kevin Newman, um, you know, just managing workloads. And Kevin said something interesting in the uh, post-game press conference where he said, you know, Shelty told me that this was going to be, you know, this is the matchup he wanted. He wanted me versus Rogers. Well, how's the way, how's the only way you can guarantee that he, Kevin Newman will face Taylor Rogers in a game whenever Taylor Rogers comes in to pitch? It's he's on the bench and you pinch hit him in the right situation. And that's what ended up happening. Now, I'm not saying that's, you know, the reason why Kevin Newman was sitting. I, I believe that it was, you know, a day off because the lineups are set days in advance. But that ended up being, you know, an interesting, you know, we circle it. Let's get this matchup. We saw it in Chicago. It didn't work out in Chicago where uh, – he was able to swing it that he was able to bring Brian Reynolds up with the go-ahead run in scoring position. Reynolds didn't get the hit in the ninth inning, but I've seen that a couple times out of him. It's like, you know, whenever a starter gets a day off, it's not like Clint Hurdle where, you know, they're, they're just not going to play. It's I'm going to look for an opportunity late in this ball game and see if, if something's on the line, you might be called on to get a hit like that. I, I think that's interesting managing and for baseball nerds, like old school baseball nerds, it's kind of reminiscent of how Billy Martin handled Reggie Jackson in game five of the LCS in 77, where he sat him and he got the matchup that he wanted, the pinch, and it worked. I don't think Reggie Jackson appreciated that too much, though, if we look back on history. Not, not, not to say that, uh, yeah, not to say Kevin Newman is Reggie Jackson. Either. Yeah, no, I mean, hey, both are great at hitting uh, – clutch clutch base hits so uh you talked about hitting the ball hard Gregory Polanco is hitting the ball hard when he is hitting it he had a big three-run homer in their win yesterday we're going to take a quick break when we get back we're going to talk about El Cafe El Coffee here on the podcast to be named later we'll be back second segment of the show it's coffee time Alex are you a coffee guy do you drink coffee I do not drink coffee, and I know that's great irony writing for this site where everything is yeah. measured in up coffees and down coffees, but I, I hate the stuff. I just cannot drink it. See, DK and I are never going to see eye to eye on that one. I didn't – so I had a traumatic experience with coffee when I was in, I think, fourth grade. I went to a sports camp, and they took us to, like, a cafeteria – you know, they had a cafeteria, like, at the camp or whatever, and coffee was there, and they're like, if you want to drink it, drink it. Like, the camp counselors were irresponsible. I was 10 years old, and I had, like, eight cups, and, like, <laughs> I, I, I was just a mess. I mean, like, I was throwing up. I could – I remember – yeah, it was not good. Um, like, I remember, like, them. I don't think they ended up doing it. Like, I don't think they ever told my parents. I was like, please don't tell them. And they're like, oh, we're not going to. Like, this will be worse for us than you. <laughs> <laughs> It's a Christian sports camp. It was, yeah, it was wild times. Um, but then I didn't start drinking it. I, I had a short stint where I was driving Uber and Lyft. And my go-to, when I needed a break, I'd go to the casino, park for free, get a cup of coffee, sit down, check on all my bets, and then get it back out there and get back to that paper chasing. And then when I was working as a news reporter, I'd have some coffee. But that's not – my coffee drinking isn't why people tune in. So I apologize for that minute-long – No, 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 that's the other podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, Joff, <laughs> that's true. Um, I, you know what coffee's the best is get-go coffee, Alex. Oh. Yes. That, am I doing that right? Yeah, you're doing it right. Okay, good. good. Um, for anyone listening, uh, El Cafe. He's pretty good sometimes. When he when he is good, it's really good, and when he's bad, it's really bad. Kind of like coffee, I guess. So we saw the good and the bad t- yesterday from from Gregory Polanco. I mean, both sides, both ends of the spectrum were on complete display with the hard hit home run to the ugly strikeouts. And it's been a tale of two swings, really, this season for Greg. Alex, you looked up some information on him. What do you got, stat guy? Well, you, we both were on the same wavelength for this one, mm-hmm. you know, coming on. So I'll start with that. So Gregory Polanco, whenever he's made contact, it's gone a million miles per hour. Mm-hmm. Like he's averaging an exit velo coming into uh, Thursday of 96 miles per hour. Like a hard hit ball is considered 95. 96 is rare territory for guys who can average that, you know, even for over a couple weeks like he has. Like that's, that's outstanding. That's really good. That's like borderline Aaron Judge type area. Both of his contacts on Thursday were over 100. Were, yeah, so that's only going to creep up. Like mm-hmm. we're going to talk about somebody who's going to have like a top five average, you know, exit below. But then here comes the other side of it of, oh, my goodness, he is really, really swinging and missing at the moment. Like, here's a guy who throughout his career had been a pretty steady about 20% strikeout rate throughout his entire career. Like, he never – a little higher last year, but, you know, that was a smaller sample size. The shoulder wasn't right. Okay, if you throw that away, it's basically been – it's basically been about 20%. This year – it's it's forty four percent at the time of recording. It's it's not good, and I found something else interesting I want to bring up here because Polanco's talking about you know trying to get his timing back, trying to get, uh, trying to get his hands working, and basically it looks like he's having a hard time catching up to velocity. And you know you miss two weeks of camp, you can see why the guy's having a hard time with velocity. This year though. It's worth noting that he's facing higher velocity than he normally would. Like last year, his, his average fastball face was 93.8 miles per hour. This year, it's 95.2. That's an extra tick and a half right there. That is – I mean, they're playing good teams. Right. They're playing good teams. Yeah, that's the point. I mean, even if everything was right, it's, oh, my God, this is coming in a lot faster than I'm, than I'm used to it you know, coming in. And that's a significant jump over a course of a season. I mean, there are a lot of things about Gregory Polanco so far in 2020 that I can see why people are frustrated. But, man, if you want encouraging signs, whenever he does hit it, that shoulder looks good. It doesn't look like the shoulder is compromised whenever he's swinging the bat. It's just can he make contact? Another stat that I I found, because it's ironic, like when we were playing the show, I was saying we should do like a feature on one guy. And we both were at the same time. We're like, let's do Polanco. And we both were like, he's, he's hitting the ball and he's striking. Wait, Alex said it. We were both on the exact same la- same language. Yeah, I don't even know wavelength. 
Jeez, oh man. There we go. Yeah. I think I get paid to talk, but I can't talk. Um, you know what? I was patient with you. I was going to let you work through it. You know how we're saying with Greg. Yes, yes, that's good. Um, so he's put 12 balls in play this year, which is a dramatically low number when you yeah. really think about it. Not but, good. Not great. But he's of the 12 balls he's put in play, 10 of them have been hit 92 miles per hour or harder which if you're watching the game on Baseball Savant or following it there, that qualifies as light red to dark red, which is like the hardest you can hit it, essentially. So he is making good contact. And of those strikeouts at 44%, if you look, his strikeout rate has gotten a lot more tolerable since the Milwaukee series. I mean, the Milwaukee series, he was striking out like every – He was lost. Yes. What was his first game back? And he didn't have yeah. any training camp. And it looked like it. It looked like a guy who was seeing live pitching for the first time since March. And that's, that was the case. And, you know, when you're going up against Josh Hader and, and, and Woodruff and all those guys, you're going to look silly. And so he's starting to figure out a little bit. I thought in Minnesota he was actually making a lot of contact. I only think he struck out twice in those two games there. And I – the more opportunities they're giving them, um, you're seeing more results. But my question is this, Alex. What are we hoping for from Gregory Polanco at this point? Are we hoping that we see the 2016 Gregory Polanco? The 27 – was it 2018? 2018. Yeah. Uh, Gregory Polanco? I, I, think, I think that's peak Greg, for the record. Like, I think yeah. that's the best he, he ever looked. 2016 is a, a pretty good year as well. Until September. September, the shoulder started bothering him, and that just – it was a really bad – Broke his shoulder in seven pieces because he forgot how to slide. So, you yeah. can make the argument there too. But, but yeah, I, I think whenever you look at Gregory right now, you're like – the Pirates are like, let's see if he can find his swing. If he can, he becomes an interesting chain chip. You know, someone who – you know, a buy-low candidate somebody who is under contract for one more year, but then has two option years on top of that. So you essentially have three one-year deals. And if this is a guy that teams truly feel like, you know what, he's going to be an above average hitter or just a flat out good hitter, those three years, have him DH, that there's some value in that, but he has to prove that he can. I don't think Gregory Polanco is part of the next Pirates baseball playoff team. I, I, I think this year i i'm i don't say this is tanking i'm not gonna say this is tanking because if you don't if tank this is tank- you build you don't tank in yeah. baseball maybe the nationals did to get bryce harper or something crazy like that but it's you're drafting an 18 year old kid you know you're drafting someone when you tank in basketball and football and even hockey you're getting a guy that's going to be in the major leagues helping you in the next year. That doesn't work in baseball. You're waiting at least two years, best case scenario, two years for that guy to come help you. It's not tanking, it's rebuilding. Sorry to continue. Yeah, but that's, that's the point. This was never really tanking. It's just, you know, a team not playing well. There's, there's a difference between the two, trust me. But I think it's enough that, okay, even with the expanded playoffs, the Pirates aren't going to be in the mix unless they really turn it on now now like they, how they just lost seven in a row this needs to be the start of like a five or six game winning streak which you know they're playing the tigers aren't a bad team it's not 
completely Wait, out the of the way your realm voice of voice went up seven octaves there tells me everything I need to know. But yeah, I was going to say, yes, the words came out. But, so someone's going to read the transcript and be like, what is he saying? Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't think Gregory Polanco is part of the next Pirates playoff baseball team. But I, I think he could be someone who could impact another team in the future. Right now, this is a showcase year for him because while they don't really have a whole lot of outfield depth at the moment, they could roll into 2020 without him, you know, just with Brian Reynolds and two other people, maybe a Luga, maybe, maybe Swaggerty, you know, towards the end of the year, just something like that. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Gregory Polanco. But if he doesn't hit, I, I just don't see them cutting him for, you know, like people want, you know, Gregory Polanco cut, you know, right now. It's like, I don't see him getting cut before opening day 2021. Maybe if, you know, he's hitting like this in 2021, it's like, look, he's going to be a free agent in a couple months anyway. We're done. Gregory, best of luck elsewhere. That's completely different. This version of Gregory Polanco, no, they're, they're going to really hope that he finds a swing. And at this point, it's not going to be fine a swing so they can, you know, compete. Like we were talking about, you know, going into the 2019 season, whenever they had that winning year the year before, you know, it showed some good stuff. It's show something so we could actually trade you for someone. So you can continue your career so you don't just, you know, fizzle out because of the injuries. Any final thoughts, Alex, as we round up yet another episode of the podcast to be named later? Uh, you know what? It was good to cover a win. It was good to actually cover what makes my life a whole lot easier. Makes the comment easier. Comment section easier too. Hey, don't go after the lunatics. They've been very I'm nice. I'm not going after the I've lunatics. I gotta say, I appreciate the lunatics showing Noah Hiles some love. People don't yeah. say nice things and about I, me very often, so I appreciate it. I love you guys. I love you guys. Keep it going. And it, none of them have been my dad either. I've, I've been giving uh, my dad, who's a subscriber, a loyal follower of the site for many years, as are my uncles. Uh, I gave my family instructions. I said, look, do not comment on any of my work, please. The only comment under my dad's account was made by me the one time. So I think my dad might be liking the comments, but that's fine. Uh, but yeah, shout out to all the lunatics showing me some love. I really appreciate it. I love you guys right back. Yes, and yeah, that wasn't anything. I, I appreciate all the compliments I got on the live cues Thursday and everything. That was more, that was more, there's frustration with the team that boils yeah. over I know. in the comment section. No, I, I just want to remember, sure Alex hates you guys and I love you. So when you're thinking about who your favorite <laughs> That's that's how it goes. I'm the I'm the good guy. He's the bad guy. Be sure to follow us both on Twitter at Alex J Stump at Noah underscore House ninety five. Hit subscribe to everything. Just get all the DK Sports content, DK Sports Radio content. Hit subscribe and tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your tell your relatives, tell your coworkers, tell anyone you talk to. Your Uber driver. I mean, they're driving around all day. They need something to listen to. Subscribe to all. It helps us out. It helps you out. It's good for everyone, right? Be sure to follow DK Pittsburgh Sports on all social media platforms and be sure to tune in on Monday when our next show will be. Until then, we'll see you later. Take care.